And the program is designed to offer different services and activities for uh, individuals with special needs in the Chaldean community. But I also I also wanted to look at a couple other things regarding the, the whole topic of uh, special needs is, you know, is it still taboo in the community? Uh, what are some of the stereotypes and what can what can we do to to, uh, you know, uh, overcome those those uh, stereotypes? And I think Sue's on the line with us now. Sue. Yes. Hello. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thanks for being on here. Oh, thank you for inviting me on the show. So what's uh, what's going on? How's Breaking Barriers going? Well, first, before we start, you know, um, I have to give you kudos because Breaking Barriers actually was named by you, Omar. <laughs> uh, back in October 2012, actually, Omar started the program, Breaking Barriers, and I kind of assisted him, I could say, for a while. And um, now he's on to bigger and better things. Um, yes, Breaking Barriers actually is a program um, with the Chaldean Community Foundation. And we are, um, the program provides services and advocacy to those with special needs, uh, especially in like the lower income, um, mostly. And um, the program just kind of got started from members of the community, uh, just uh, a lot of the refugees coming into the foundation, just asking for different things, um, sometimes just medical, um, needing help uh, arranging medical transportation, or maybe trying to get some respite for their for the caregivers. Actually, um, sometimes parents are taking care of their special need child all day and needed some uh, time away. Um, and uh, also, to a lot of different, we do a lot of different referrals to different um, resources and different providers. And how many? Uh, I mean, we started with probably when I remember, you know, when the program first started, we had maybe. Uh, you know, we were probably climbing like snails in terms of numbers. We were maybe 30, 40, 50 clients. What are we up to now? Yeah, um, we have over 300. That's awesome. All right, I got and a question. Yes, yes. What is, the, what is it that you guys do as compared to, let's say, like the Friendship Circle or as compared to other uh, programs? Like give, me some, give, give some specifics about exactly what you do because at sure, this point sure, it sure. feels kind of general to me. Yeah. Okay. So basically, as we were growing, like Omar said, um, our number one number one thing was to kind of assess every family. When you are, you know, a newly arrived refugee, um, even if you don't have a disability, your number one um, uh, a problem is you don't know English, correct? So a lot of these families that were coming to us, uh, I was assessing them, and we found that there were certain disabilities that needed a little bit more um uh, a little bit more programming so one of the two largest uh, populations that we have are visually impaired and hearing impaired so um the one with the visually impaired we actually are coming up on our second anniversary in april i have 13 students i call them and they're from ages 26 is our youngest and 81 is our oldest, and these 13 students, uh, nine are completely blind. Um, most of them were blind from birth, and we have four of them that are legally blind, which means they can see a little or they see like a larger print. And so what we found with this group was, um, and it's actually called the BEAM Project, 
And what we found with this group was that they all kind of wanted to do the same thing, learn, learn English. Um, none of these 13 clients, and Omar can contest to this, had a cane. They did not walk with a white cane, a walking cane. And so we spent a lot of time with them with mobility. And um, I know we're going to talk a little bit later about the, um, um, the topic about it being taboo. But the number one thing that they all said to me was, well, if I carry a white cane and I walk with it, people are going to know I'm blind. And um, Omar knows better than anyone that we would say to them, well, when you're running into the wall, I mean, that's going to be a hit, right? So they have gained a lot of independence just by learning to navigate around their home, navigate in the um, community um, with their white cane. And some of them are very confident. They carry it all the time. And some of them will, you know, hang on to, you know, a cousin or someone and then maybe use it when they're out you know, at classes. Another thing they wanted to learn was English. So um, I'm very um, active in Macomb County, and I've been a part of Macomb Literacy Partners, which is an organization that have been around for 40 years that teach adults that are illiterate. But they've never had the experience of teaching illiterate blind refugees English. So that was a big uh, step for us. So once a week, we bust all these 13 students in, and the Calvin Community Foundation picks them up, and most of them live in Macomb County. We have a couple of them that come in from Novi. And for an hour, they are actually, um, the, the BEAN stands for, B is for Braille, E is for ESL, A is for Culturation, and uh, M is for Mobility. So for an hour, they're learning Braille, um, and then another hour, they're learning ESL, um, and some of them will be uh, learning mobility, and some of them will actually, what we've started in the past six months um, is a computer training class. So we have many of them um, on computers. Some of them have moved to iPhones and iPads. So we've really, really done a great job with um, the visually impaired. And then we found I found another population, which is I have over 32 people that are hearing impaired. And almost all of them are deaf from birth. And the number one thing I noticed with them was they wanted to um, get closer to their faith. Um, everything they knew about church or mass or, um, or God was everything that they've just read. And so the first thing we had to do with that, and we call that the HEAL Project. And the reason we call it the HEAL Project um, is uh, H stands for Heart of Hearing, is uh, also for English, American Sign Language, and Life Skills. And these group of people actually only knew kind of like body language and kind of only communicated to two or three people in their home, and they really didn't know American Sign Language. For 20 weeks, well, we offered a class, and not only the hearing impaired came, but their their mothers, their sisters, their, their children, um, their um, cousins, the people that took care of them also learned American Sign Language. And it's a little bit different than Iraqi Sign Language we've, you know, come to know. Um, and what has come out of that was um, that almost a year uh, coming up, oh, actually the past year, we started last February, and we offer once a month American Sign Language Mass at St. Joseph. It's always the second Sunday of the month at our 1030 Mass. And so... Um, all of them that are hearing impaired come in and we're in a special section and we um, translate the entire Mass. Uh, and this is the first time 
that they have, many of them have ever really attended Mass that they've kind of, you know, understood and they, you know, can hear it and it's being translated. And uh, we've kind of added another component where um, we have two people up there where one translator is translating the priest and the server portion of it. And um, now in the last few months that they've been participating in the people part and um, actually signing back um, some of the people part. And so uh, six months ago, we were fortunate enough to start a American Sign Language Bible study. And um, Jeff Kassab has actually, uh, we sat with him, and he's um, someone that is trying to get a degree in theology, um, comes in with our American Sign Language uh, teacher and is actually doing those twice a month. And um, some of our nuns sometimes come in and do those classes, and also seminarians will be starting soon. So they really, um, you know, what kind of sparked that, Bible study was when one of them wanted to ask me to ask the priest that if a person that is deaf does not go to confession, um, you know, what are the, you know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, and if we can find a priest that can sign, if they can go to confession. And so that really kind of, you know, brought us into, you know, creating this Bible study. And we're actually now, um, we have families that have children that are deaf and their parents actually don't know American Sign Language because the children are being educated in American schools and the kids have said, please, we would like our parents to learn American Sign Language. But our problem is with some of these parents is they don't know English. So we are actually in the next month or so, um, and I've investigated this and we have not found an American Sign Language English as a second language class. So we're doing this for the family members and some of them that are deaf. If you really don't know the alphabet, you're not going to know how to sign, correct? So, Sue, I got so a question. Those were um, some other programs. Yes, go ahead. So, so earlier you said that the seminarians are going to start doing this stuff. Did you mean that the seminarians are they they're learning sign language and they're going to start? Uh, no, what we do is. Yeah, no, what we have is we actually have a sign language interpreter that we work with, um, and um, we actually pay her to come in. And the Bible study is being taught, and she's actually translating everything into sign language. And okay, then when gotcha. they are asking questions, and then when the students um, ask the questions, or you know, when the participants ask a question in sign language, she's actually able to translate it. Um, because at a traditional Bible study, it's it, it would be too hard to have hearing people and people that sure. are deaf. Um, there's a lot of lot fewer words when you're speaking, um, you know, with you know for the deaf than when you are actually saying. For like instance, like you know, in mass when we reply, Lord forgive us for our you know, uh, Lord for, forgive us for our uh, sins and offenses. In sign language, you would just say, Lord forgive us sins. You don't have to say offenses because they kind of mean the same. Um, so, you know, we have to have it exclusively just for the American Sign Language Bible Study. So you um, you said that the biggest um, so far that what you guys have observed or the data that you've gathered is that the the biggest um, the biggest disability in the community are are hearing impaired and visually impaired. Well, not in the community, but in our, um, in our um, 
in our organization, those are the two that don't have a mental disability, that their disabilities are just physical. But we okay, do have gotcha. many mental and physical disabilities. But those are the two that don't have a mental disability. Like my next largest group, and hopefully we'll launch it in the next few weeks, I found that many we have many young ladies that have Down syndrome that mm-hmm. I see that they're coming in with a lot of um, paperwork talking about please, you know, um, have your child come to school. When we say snack, don't send chips, maybe send an apple or, you know, something healthier, and they're kind of a little bit overweight, so they're sending them a lot of health uh, health guides. So my daughter actually has um, volunteered, and we're putting it together that we're hoping to start, like, a small Zumba class once a week for a large group. Maybe I have maybe nine or ten girls that would participate in that. So once a week, just kind of teach them a little bit about movement and have them move around a little bit and then, you know, teach them how to eat a little bit better. And it's it's really hard because when you send a piece of paper home and let's say a sibling is translating it and a teacher is saying send a snack and it's hard to really distinguish between, you know, you're saying an apple or a bag of chips and the parents just send something to them to eat and they're not understanding the nutritional value of it and then all of a sudden you have, you know, these young ladies gaining weight and um, so we're trying to, you know, help them out with things that, you know, they, they, maybe they'd feel embarrassed or maybe they wouldn't send their child to a gym or, you know, or maybe they're so not just, active um, themselves either. Just just real quick, I want to I drop the number for our, our listeners uh, to call in with questions or comments. That's 347-857-3847. That's 347-857-3847. Sue, this is Sam. I have a question for you. I'm sorry. Sure. Obviously, this this is a a major challenge for many of the folks that are first coming here from a foreign land, have a disability, and also have to to learn a new language. Uh, I can only, I guess, I can't even get my arms around the type of stress they may be under, the anxiety that they're dealing with. Uh, But my question is, do you receive any any funding at all, or is it self-funded? Is it just funded within the community, or do you get any kind of uh, assistance from the state or any federal funding? Yeah, well, the Kelding Community Foundation is funded by uh, the Michigan Department of Community Health, and our Breaking Barriers program actually, um, as a case manager when, when assisting people when they come into the office, either finding resources or maybe filling out school paperwork, things like that, we don't charge for anyone, I, you know, we're paid out of that, those funds. But um, what I do is um, try to use different resources. So, for instance, the BEAM Project. For the BEAM Project, we have the Bureau of Services for Blind Persons come in and service uh, uh, some of the blind. So, like, they'll bring in a mobility specialist, they'll bring in um, a computer specialist, and then um, through my connections, the Macomb Literacy Partners come in and they are free. They do not charge. So they come in. We have three to five tutors a week, and it's a one-on-one um, tutoring session. And then I've been very fortunate because the Women in God's Service, which is the WINGS group at St. Joseph, actually help us out every week, and they come in and actually translate for us because the Macomb Literacy Partners are all Americans and speak only English, of course, and they, um, the women come in. They don't charge us anything. It's all by volunteer come in. And they sit also one-on-one with the McCollum Literacy Partners and translate uh, for that. 
So we provide, you know, the busing, and then we might have a small snack because some of these people are, have been on the bus or in, in our program for a long time. So we just provide like a small breakfast or food. Our social events now, once a month, um, the money does come from the foundation, but I have very generous sponsors that uh, come in and say I would like to sponsor an event. And once a month, um, I get all the um, uh, special needs uh, uh the 300, I invite to an event. So not right now we actually um, have about 200 that come every month. And what these social events are is every month they're seen different. And the number one thing that everyone had in common was that we would like to get out of the house. So we would like to go to, you know, bingo, or we would like to go to a party, or we would like to go see Santa uh, or Halloween. And sometimes their special needs, maybe autistic child or maybe their child in a wheelchair, they feel that people are watching them and looking at them. So what we do is we try to provide these social events once a month. And, um, and yes, and, and what's nice about that is the whole family is invited. So when the whole family comes, it's about, you know, the special needs child and the other um, family members can come. And, and every month is different. Every month someone sponsors it very different. Maybe one month someone will say, I'll order dinner or pizza or, you know, I'll do Easter baskets or maybe I'll buy Christmas presents. So every month it is, is, uh, depends different on um, which community member. Yeah, a different theme and depends on what community member would like to contribute. I work with them to see what would they would like to donate and what kind of event they would like. Um, but those are very popular, I must say. Okay, so typically how many people are in attendance is one question. The other question is for anyone who would like to maybe donate their either their time or resources, how do they go about doing that, especially since it's helping our community? How do we help maybe the program that is funneled down to our community? Yes, and, you know, that's the one wonderful thing I will have to tell you. Um, and I know Omar doesn't know about this, but I try to share as much as we can. So one thing that happened last February was we were having a Valentine's event, and one of the um, special needs families said, you know, I heard about um, uh, I, we made a connection called Special Connection in Iraq. So there was a church in Kirkuk that has um, 28 special needs members, and they heard about our program and connected with us and said, wow, we do the same thing once a month. And so one of the members, when we were talking about it, we sent them cards, and then in, in, in April um, they sent us cards back, and someone said, you know what, I'd like to donate a dollar. I'd like to donate $2. So they came together, the special needs, the ones that are already, like, you know, here in America and they're struggling themselves but understood that they need it. So our special needs, own special needs at our party actually put together, um, it was almost $900, and we were able to send them to Kurt Cook, and they sent us pictures. They bought wheelchairs and and. I mean, it was just—it was so incredible. We had. So you mentioned uh, yeah. you, you mentioned the the the, uh, the organization in Kirkuk. There's also another one uh, which which was started by Bishop uh, Faraj Rahu, uh, God rest his soul, who was killed back in '08, which was called yeah. it's, it's called uh, Love and Joy. Um, mm -hmm. Farah, uh, yes, there is. So are you guys familiar with that? You know, this one um, touched the heart because he, they were, this certain church 
there was few refugees that actually were there and they were belonged to that church and belonged to that organization. So when they came to America, they kind of connected us with that certain church. But, you know, we also were able um, later on to donate to St. Jude and a couple other places. But, you know, we really never, you know, we really never wanted the group to, you know, um, you know, do that. But there's some members of the community that are, um, you know, wanting to donate. And I will tell you, we, you know, we could use any kind of donation. It doesn't have to be, you know, money. It could be, you know, sometimes people will call me up and say, hey, listen, I have, you know, 30 cases of pop or I have, you know, 60 lollipops. Um, we're very fortunate with members of the community that will, you know, uh, donate, and we make good use out of it. I have a mom that will tell me, I mail out postcards every month to the families. And she tells me when that yellow postcard arrives in the mail, my son holds on to it until he, you know, until the party and he counts down 10 days, four days, six days. And so, wow. you know, uh, they, they look very forward to uh, wow. the events and they are very well um, attended. We actually are hitting over 200. Uh, most of the wow. events are held at. No, you're saying 200, I'm sorry, 200 people. Uh, you're, you're including yes, the family so, themselves, okay? Yes, we don't include um, the, just the disabled child. No, so when we when we when I say 300 people, I mean 300 are disabled. But definitely in this program, you're working with the entire family. You, when I, I have a family that comes in um, with one disabled child, everyone everyone in that family is affected by that child. If, if that child's in a wheelchair, the parents have to make special accommodations. Not every family member can come to my office at the same time to fill out paperwork because somebody has to stay home. Or maybe we go to the house and constantly there has to be a caregiver there. So definitely the disabled person, um, uh, we definitely deal with the entire family when we talk about our Breaking Barriers program. Right. So um, that takes us to the next part of this, um, you know, that the whole yeah. the whole family is is affected by it. Um, you know, one thing one thing that uh, some you know a lot of us have struggled over the years, and I know Sue, you and I have talked about this. Is um, uh, you know a lot of times the whole thing with disability is is taboo uh, in the community. Um, so yeah. what we mean by that, obviously, is that a lot of times, especially the newcomers or, or even the ones who are more old-fashioned, they, I hate to say this, but they feel embarrassed almost to, to have their child out in the public, you know, because they fear like they're going to get whispered about, talked about, fingers pointed at, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, I, if you can think back, well, probably you were too cool, uh, Omar, but if you can think back to middle school, you know, those odd years where, you know, if you didn't wear the fanciest clothes or look the best, you know, you kind of mm -hmm. felt weird. You know, everybody wants to fit in, right? So, right. you know, what I've noticed kind of with these refugee families, see, this is a little bit different when we try to talk about acculturation and when I try, when, you know, I'm, you know, the advocate there for a lot of these families, what I find is that actually in Iraq, um, you know, many of these kids were just shunned and left at home, and and that was like, you know, you know, you know, that was positive for them. That you know, they were told, you know, oh, you know, oh, he's blind, he can't see anything. He's in first grade. Just take him home. He's never going to learn. Or you know, oh, he he's in a wheelchair. You know, there's no reason for you to you know, um, bring him to school or anything. But when they get to America, they're so surprised. They always ask me. They're like, wow, they they pay so much attention. Like, really, when you say special needs, they treat them very special. And so 
um, you know, certain uh, certain times, um, uh, many times, the families are very, like, surprised that in America where they promote you to be very active with the family and take the special needs person out and about. And not only that, but they help them, assist them financially, not just, you know, and they get surprised with that. And they're like, wow, you mean my child with cerebral palsy is actually going to be able to get some you know, income, you know, a few hundred dollars a month to assist us. So they get very surprised that, um, uh, you know, America really goes out of their way to accommodate many of these special needs families. Do you still see that the issue that, you know, here, when they're here, they kind of still want to keep that child, you know, at home repressed or, or whatever you want to, however you want to call it. Like, does the problem still exist, would you say? You know, when we first started um, getting very busy with our events, you know, um, we, you know, the families were bringing in their special needs. And then later on, we got a little busy, busier, and we noticed that we're like, what are you doing here? Where is your child or where is your husband or where is, you know, the person that's disabled? And they're like, whoa, that's a lot of work, you know, to bring them. We're like, no, 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 this is the reason you need to bring them to these events. So they were kind of like, really? But they're going to spill the pop or my autistic child going to run around and, you know, uh, you know, yell at everybody and make a lot of noise. And we're like, no, you know, that's why we have these events. It's okay. Everyone is going to be, you know, the same way. But you know what? I think um, the one hard thing for everyone to really understand, I run into a lot of parents that I help their children get into special education at school and they get tested by psychologists and, you know, they tell them, well, you know, your child has a low IQ, you know, they're 22 years old, but they're like a 10-year-old. And sometimes the families don't allow their child to go to school and I'll be like, I don't understand. It just took me three months to get you into a program. And they're like, yeah, but my child doesn't look like them. So a lot of them think that disabilities have to all be visible. Like you have to be able to see like a Down syndrome person, their face, or a person in a wheelchair, or a person, and, you know, or they're shaking, or they're walking funny. So they don't realize that autism or, you know, different types of cognitive uh, mental impairments are not visible. They're inside the brain. And, And they, when you talk about taboo, because they really think all disabilities should be visible. And they'll be like, there's nothing wrong with my child except, you know, if they start talking or in their head. And that's one thing that really they kind of have to understand, too, is um, that, you know, once it's kind of, I guess someone explained it to me once, like grieving, kind of really coming to an understanding that, oh, my child is actually a special needs child. Um, and one thing I have to say. Are I you saying are you saying they've been in, in denial? Are you in saying they're in denial for a while? Yeah, and not only that, but, you know, like when you have children, you are, your children are the reflection of you, correct? So sometimes correct. if you see your child and he's your reflection and then you say, what did I do wrong? You know, did I, you know, you know, you know, something happened when I was pregnant? Did I do this to my child? So it's hard for them to see that, you know. How many times right. have you ever seen a parent, the first time you see my child can be a pharmacist, a doctor, a lawyer, so proud. And, you know, for them to be able to see their children as their reflection, but then, they, especially with families that have multiple children that are disabled, I think wow. those uh, families kind of struggle more. Okay. You know, uh, Rafid has joined us here in, in the studio as well, and he's pretty familiar with the the program in Iraq. Uh, through Hello, Sue. Hello, Rafid. How are you? 
And Good, he's how are you? With the... you do a great job, by the way, really. You guys have grown Thank and you. you're doing an amazing job. As you know, I just uh, I come back about three and a half weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and I visited yes. our program there, Mahabba Farah in Arbil, and they do an yes. amazing job there. Um, they rent a house. There they have three different sessions. They do the children, they do the, um, the adults, and then the hyperactive people, they keep them separately, the ones that kind of move around. Little yeah. But they do a lot of programs also with their parents because as you know back home it's more of a taboo that you if you have a special needs child or a sibling at home so they do different programs there including with the parents on how to prepare them for society and and what comes with it and there it's a little bit tougher because these special needs uh hold on rafa wait a minute what do you guys mean by taboo? I, this you got to explain this to me. Why is it taboo to, to have uh, autistic back kid home, or something? Back home, it's they think, back. one, uh, God is punishing me. Two, they hide them. <laughs> they really do. Even here in America, in, in, in our business, John Paul, when we visit patients at home mm-hmm. and sometimes they have a special needs, they feel yeah. ashamed of themselves. Don't send us a Chaldean nurse. Don't send us a Chaldean therapist because they don't want them to know. Really? Yes, yes, we've had a couple yeah. of cases like that. Because many of them, as soon, as soon as you say mental, right away they go, all these thoughts come to their head. You're saying I'm crazy, you think it's in my yep. family, it's genetic. Right away you're already diminu- diminishing their you know, presence and kind of saying, yes. well, what do you mean he's depressed? You think that came from me? What do you think? You know, they're not mental, and they just, you know, don't don't understand. You know what I mean? Just like I said, they think, you know, just, you know, mental mental problems is something that they so, give to their child. So one thing I want you to think about, this is what I saw when I was back home, and not just in yeah. everywhere. That's why I really think sure. somehow you should have programs that would link to helping people back home because a lot of people there, as you know, are displaced. A lot of people live in a caravan. A caravan basically is that an aluminum tent. And what happens is they put five to six people in a caravan, which is like one bedroom size. And it's not always immediate family or siblings, for example. They would put a mother-in-law and a father-in-law with a young couple with kids. So somebody has a special needs child. He's living with someone that he's never, who's not used to living with that. So it makes it up extra, extra difficult for the family and for yeah. the person. So that's one of the reasons why we're proud of this program. Five days a week they, or six days a week, they take them out of these homes and do a lot of activities with them. But they need a lot of help. I mean, there's different places that need it. And the more we do, the better it is. So just something to think about if you do fundraisers or if you have generous people who uh, care about this cause, Think about definitely, that. They definitely. really need it. They really, really need it back home. Yes, we understand. We just talked a little earlier. I don't know if you heard about our special connection program. And um, we have uh, the church in Kirkuk that have the special needs uh, families, a couple of the special needs families. Yeah, yeah I heard about America. that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so we've Kirkuk, done that. That's good. Um, yeah. But Who do you course, deal with, I Bishop mean, uh, Yusuf Toma? Um, actually, the connection we have is uh, Dina. Um, oh, I know Dina. She's, uh, yeah, located there. And then here in America is Wise. 
So we deal with both of them there. And it and it's so difficult I know, Dino. because they I know, post Dino. a lot of yeah, they post a lot of things in Arabic and you know, you try to do Google Translate or you ask people to translate but you know, all the smiles on their faces is worth more than a uh, you know, a million words. That's great. That's amazing. You do a great job. Thank you. And, you know, um, I know you mentioned earlier about, you know, what's the difference between you and other organizations and that, you know, it's not that we're saying, you know, we're doing something, you know, we're duplicating services. No, we're trying to do things that um, these refugee families with special needs are not getting. So we're not going to go and duplicate other services. We'll definitely refer people out. Um, we have many, many young children now that are in need of speech therapy. And we have, you know, we make sure um, what we do with that is, you know, speech therapy is offered in all the school districts. We just make sure that the resources are there, the insurance is paid, the parent is able to make it out to the speech therapy. So we're not trying to duplicate anybody's services, not at all. We are actually trying to create services that are not available um, to these families. That's great. Um, so, real quick, the final thing um, is is so there there are stereotypes that exist. You know, I know that you know that, and you know, th- there people. I think people have a lot of misconceptions about people with special needs or or with disabilities. Um, you know, a lot of times they might get treated like second rate. Uh, you know, citizens and whatnot. And how do we, what do you think would be like maybe a good solution to start um, overcoming, overcoming some of those issues? You know, to me, part of it is education, right? Yeah. Education. That's of course. And, you know, when, during my events, we have over 40 volunteers, over 40 Omar that come in and help us from serving pop to cleaning up to setting up. And when those volunteer, um, many of them might be high school, college students, um, our parents of, you know, volunteers at church, um, when they come in, they're very surprised. They'll be like, wow. They get very um, amazed at um, many of the special needs children at their abilities. They, we try not to focus on their disabilities. Um, for example, uh, actually, you'd be very proud of him, um, one of our students, actually went to Kalamazoo for an entire year to the training center, and he is actually, he's completely blind, was born blind, and he, um, you know, came from Iraq as a refugee five years ago. Um, He got his American citizenship, spent a year in Kalamazoo at the training center, and he is is now training other blind students in our class on um, the iPad. And he's just amazing because he can speak, you know, Chaldean, Arabic, English, and he tells me he wants to learn Italian because he loves soccer and wants to hear what the commentators are saying. But um, he is able now to teach, and he, he, as a blind person, knows more about the iPad and the iPhone than people that can see. And when visitors sure. come by um, and they ask him a question, they really call him up and they'll be like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, he's so uh, he's so good on the on the telephone, on you know the iPad, and and we also had a marriage. I've had many people ask me. Um, 
how can two blind people get married? How is that possible? How can they get married and live alone? Who asked you that and, question? Was it Omar? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, no. Actually, are you kidding me? Omar's like, well, yeah, that's the best thing. No, of course not. But I get that question maybe weekly. And these two actually met in our program, and they um, did not know each other. And a romance sparked after about a year, and they got married. And now they're, well, they live on their own. And through a lot of uh, training, they um, learn how to live alone, cook, clean, and, you know, be a part of society. And everybody oh, will, good for them. will eat, you know, and they're doing very good. That's a beautiful thing. That's a great thing. I'm going to see. Blind people can clean. I don't know why no, you don't, don't clean up. <laughs> you know what, too? I mean, this, this these are. Gosh, could use a little cleaning up, Omar. Yeah, I mean, these are inspiring stories about blind people. Where did this one go wrong right here? How come Omar is not an exception to the rule or what? I think Omar is the most inspiring uh, person to the community. <laughs> we. When we when we started this Beam project, Omar was still with us, and you know uh, we were ready to launch it. And uh, he's come by and spoken to the group a couple of times, and they're still waiting for their keyboard lessons because they're all like, "Wow, you're a musician! That's the next thing we want." They're gonna keep waiting. Lessons. Well, you guys are Me keeping too. Omar so busy, he can't come by. I'm, I'm waiting for a keyboard lesson too. Uh, speaking yeah. of keyboards, I have another question in regards to the the person who's. Uh, using the iPad uh, with his disability, can you elaborate a little bit more as to how they're using it? And is that something that he's just kind of been able to, to get his arms around and grasp, or is it something that you teach? And if it is something you teach, how do you know the others get an iPad in their hand? Is it through a program? Is it through a donation or 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 not? Okay. So last December, in the middle of December, we started a technology program um, with these 13 students. So we had a member of the community purchase computers for all the students. So all the students got computers. And mind you, uh, these computers are just regular laptops like you would buy, a seeing person would buy. Now through, through the Bureau of uh, Services for Blind Persons, we were able to contract um, uh, a non-profit called iChallenge. And iChallenge is, is a non-for-profit agency that trains people on computers. So I could tell you right now that all our 13 students in our class have computers, they have email addresses, they have Facebook pages, they, they are very active on their computers. So it's been a little bit over a year they've been on their computer, and many of them have graduated into um, moving into an iPad and iPhone, and that is our next um, step into training them. And how that works is, um, they have a program software called JAWS, and that software speaks to them. So the same way that you're looking at a computer screen or yes. you're looking at an Excel file, it will tell you what is on your screen. It will speak to you. And JAWS is that what you use, Omar? You use JAWS? Arabic. That's okay. what I use, yeah. Okay. Uh, JAWS is for the computer, and then iPhones and iPads, Apple actually has a screen reader built into their uh, devices. It doesn't matter if it's an iPhone, iPad. Um, I'm actually an Android user. Android has the same thing, uh, but iPhones and iPads have, you know, they did it before Google did, and so it, it kind of became the the standard. Um, but I, I use Android. I actually like Android a lot, a lot better than Apple. But that's just me. Um, I well, thought you had I a BlackBerry. Well, I think the reason they like they like the Apple Omar is. 
like you are very busy. So for many, you know, you understand for many blind people, they're not able to see day or night. So they're the whole day. Sometimes they sleep, they're up at night. So they love to use it, social media. They like to use the social media, listen to uh, movies, listen to music. So they're really wanting to use it uh, as a lot of entertainment. So the iPad with something where, or the iPhone, they can just kind of, you know, they don't have to follow a keyboard, but kind of just like, you know, swipe and listen to the swipes. And it's been um, very good to me- for many of them. Like we have a few of them, like the couple that lives alone, we, they have an app that reads money. So they're able to tell us is a $20 bill, a $5 bill, you know, they're able to go out. Um, you know, there's a lot of different apps that they can use on their phone. Um, on their phones um, to, you know, assist them. And and a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of this technology is because, and they're quick learners. You know, people, you know, say if you lose one sense, your other sense um, gets a little Are stronger. Heightened. And they're yeah. heightened, yeah. So we notice <laughs> that they kind of learn very quickly. They're probably more far advanced in their English and in their um, social skills and acculturating to America, then most most people without without a visual problem that have been here five years. So, Sue, if people want to get a hold of the, the uh, CCF, uh, get a hold of you and, and want to, you know, learn more about the program, what's the best way to do that? Oh, you can call me right at the office. My number is 586-722-7253, or you can stop by. Um, we're the, I'm there 830 to 5, Monday through Friday, um, and we're right at the northwest corner of 15 Mile and Ryan Road. And what's the website also? Um, it's uh, the ChaldeanFoundation.org. So www.ChaldeanFoundation.org for our listeners. Yes. And the number, again, is 586-722-7253. I have yes. one, one other question before we wrap up the segment here, Sue. Again, thank you for your time. My question sure. is, with all the programs, and I know that you do the monthly thing with the whole family, and do you offer, um, I guess for lack of a better word, a, a, any time for a, a respite where they can drop off their kids for a couple of hours where their children, the special needs children, are maybe in a gym having fun doing their thing while the family has, I hate to say this, but a, a little bit of a break at times, you know? I had a friend of mine who had well, a daughter who had special needs, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. once a week, once a week, just because she was, you know, in a wheelchair and just always needed constant attention, that someone always had to be home, and the two parents never had any time for themselves. So this program, it was called the Respite Center or the Respite House. They would drop her off for two hours while they go have a quiet dinner on their own. Does your program offer something like that for for this? Well, we don't have it in-house, but I do arrange respite for the caregivers. Um, I do find resources. It depends on what county they live in. Um, I do find that. But many of our low-income uh, families um, have a lot of uh, home care already. So they have, like, um, home help where a caregiver comes in and the family can go out. So I do help arrange those caregiving um, type of services. Well, that's good to know. I don't think many people are aware of that. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. so yes, we we do help arrange those. Sue, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being on here with us. We really, really appreciate it. Oh no, thank you so much. I'm very um, happy I was on, and uh, you guys are are 
are a, a fun little group there for five minutes before we started. You guys had a nice conversation going on there. And, and I that's would without be a little alcohol. weary to go to an 18 And that's without alcohol, doctor. too. <laughs> that's with no alcohol. If, we have, if Omar was drinking, it's a different story. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sue, thanks so much. Thank we'll, you so much, Sue. Wish you the best you of luck in the uh, in the program, and we'll we'll keep everybody updated. Sue, Sue, by the way, I do have a saying. Yes. Yes. All blind people should have a a free entry to heaven except one. He needs to earn it. <laughs> I think he's earned it. <laughs> Omar, Omar needs to earn it. He doesn't get a free pass. Uh-oh. Thank Uh-oh. you so much, Sue. Thank you, Sue. Thank have you. a great night. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with our second segment of the show. Stay tuned. HelpIraq.org was formed by St. Thomas the Apostle Eparchy soon after ISIS conquered the city of Mosul, Iraq. The organization provides humanitarian aid to the displaced minorities in Iraq and abroad. To learn more about us, visit www.HelpIraq.org. Under its various subcommittees, Help Iraq provides monetary funding and distributes necessary supplies that meet the daily needs of the exiles. Through the effort of many donors and in conjunction with other organizations, HelpIraq.org is able to reach thousands of the displaced providing medical supplies, clothing, kitchenware, and even medical funding for those in desperate need of surgeries. But these people need more, and their plight is growing sadder and more desperate on a daily basis. It's people like you who can make and help a difference. Learn more about how you can help and how you can donate as a volunteer or any other kind of donation. Visit us at www.helpirac.org. That's www.helpirac.org. Heartland Marketplace, located at the corner of 12 Mile and Farmington Road in Farmington Hills, is a full-service supermarket with a meat department featuring Tender Ridge Angus Beef. We also have fresh chicken, lamb, and seafood. A deli with boar's head lunch meats awaits you, fresh salads and sandwiches, and even a bakery with homemade hand-filled donuts, custom cakes, muffins, cookies, and scones, made by our bakers fresh every morning. Once you try our fresh donuts, nothing else will ever do. Fill your refrigerator with fresh produce and take advantage of hundreds of specials throughout the store. Are you a beer connoisseur? Check out our amazing selection of craft beers along with a wide variety of wines. And don't forget to pick up a rewards card to earn free goods while you shop. Family owned and operated, proud to serve the community, and here to bring you the best in service and quality. Heartland Marketplace, we're here for you. Looking to sell your property? Looking to purchase a property? Commercial? Residential? Rental? Vacant land? Oakland Real Estate Associates. Over 30 years experience. Let one of our professional realtors guide you through the whole process. You can find us at www.getyouahouse.com. That's www.getyouahouse.com. You can reach us at 248 799 9997 
Oakland Real Estate and Associates. Relax, you're almost home. Big O Productions, one of Michigan's premier recording studios, offers many great services, piano lessons, on-hold phone messages, custom commercial jingles, professional studio recordings, just to name a few. We offer the highest quality at affordable prices. Contact Omar Benu at omarbenu at gmail.com. That's O-M-A-R-B-I-N-N-O at gmail.com. You can also find Omar Benu's work at www.bigoproductions.net. That's www.bigoproductions.net. Preparing to exit the building, right, Rafid? I'm really tired. Buddy. He's really tired. What's up? So, I've been having some interesting discussions with uh, some friends over the weeks. Actually, one of them was uh, Mark. And um, he's your friend, and you're going to claim that on the air? Why not? No, he, I'm talking to Mark. He hasn't denied it yet. <laughs> he's my no. buddy, old pal. So, We're about to start a band called Two Blind Mice. <laughs> I bet you he collects money from the government for being Omar's friend. I do, man. As a caretaker. Government guide. cheese, man. As a guide. As a guide. Deep, his nickname for, for me is BP. What's that? Blind Pimp. Oh, damn. <laughs> or, I mean, Pimple. I'm sorry. Oh. No. <laughs> so, we, um, it's an interesting topic. In I the thought community. it was Bush or Potros. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, the, you know, <laughs> divorce, um, you know, has risen over the years, uh, but also I think that perception of it has slowly changed as well. Um, and a lot of issues arise when there is divorce. Um, you know, of course, one of them being that, uh, if a couple gets divorced and there are kids involved, um, what, what would constitute a divorce? What would merit that? You know, what would justify it? Is it ever justifiable? Uh, and then you have the families of the people involved who are, you know, if they're older fashioned, they're kind of worried about what are people going to say if my daughter gets divorced? Uh, so you have that. Whole- Omar, before I leave, I really want to hear Steve's opinion on this. Steve. Well, you Excuse ask me. very good questions. <laughs> Tell us what you are thinking. I think um, let's let's take it back to the basis of a divorce. What, what constitutes a divorce? Uh, cheating, 
um, not getting along, falling out of love. Abuse. Wait, abuse, what's mentally, out physically. Love mean? What does that mean, um, falling out of You know, um, it's just, you're not, you're not, you know, you could, it's, you could correlate it back to like uh, watching, you know, uh, uh, shows that, you know, they were produced in America for the, you know, a typical white family, you know, who fell out of love, you know, I'm sorry, okay, fine, I think I'm leaving you. Now, when you when you go through the Chaldean, you know, community or, you know, the Chaldean relationship, you know, it's it's tougher to use that as an excuse. I fell out of love. Okay, fine, I get it. That's why we... I have my own opinion on that. Yeah, I'll let you fine. finish your thoughts. Yeah. So we go we go to what constitutes uh, um, getting a divorce. Uh, some things, you know, you say, well, of course you have to leave. You know, uh, falling out of love, you know, for me is not one thing you could always work on it. Because if you were in love at one point, you're going to be in love forever. Otherwise, it was never love from the beginning, right? So, fine. Forget about it. Um, so, when I say let's get back to it, uh, from the beginning, it's you have to deal with the religion, the Catholic religion. You know, you, when, when you talk about getting a divorce, you know, you're shunned upon. Uh, you can't marry again in the church, um, a lot of things that come with, with getting divorced in the in the in the Catholic you know religion. Well, first of all, you can get married in the church. You just need to get an annulment. Omar, you, annulment can be just so many not, variables. Not, it is, it, it variables. has to be a recent thing. We're talking about years and years and years of being married. Uh, we're not talking about three, four months, Britney Spears style. Um, so, go ahead, Omar. You want to? Yeah, look, look for for our callers and listeners. Uh, three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. That's three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. Steve, please continue. Okay, so Steve, just tell us, do you believe in divorce? Absolutely not. You're a piece of shit if you cheat. If you if you abuse, if you gamble, if you lose your life savings because you're doing stupid shit, you're a piece of shit and you get divorced, yeah, no sympathy for you. Uh, hide under the rock and I feel bad for the family. That's not the question. Okay. The question is, are you? he's saying if you be, if you do or don't believe in divorce, if you don't believe in divorce. I then do not so, believe in divorce. Okay, then okay, you're saying, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Then, then, so you're saying that that same piece of trash that cheats, that gambles away the life savings and stuff. You can't leave that guy. You need to stay with him. Uh, you know what? I I'd rather kill him. You know. So go to jail. Don't well, get divorced. Well, I mean, I'm 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 not speaking. I'm I'm not. Speaking I mean, you have as, to have a definite answer. Being, it's not as being. You know, that's that's not what I would. But you know, that's. It's Robin, either it's in. either he has to pass away or, or she has to pass away or what are you gonna do? So you will so give me your opinion. Who do you blame more for today's divorces, women or men? No, you're changing the topic now. So, so, hold hold on, that's a different topic. Hold I'll get back to that. I'll get back to uh, How do you? I mean, it depends on who's at fault. You can't blame one or the other. I want Steve. Okay, well, people get know? people these days. They get married for different uh, uh, situations, reasons. Uh, could be the the you know the boater. Marrying the guy that wants to marry a boater, or vice versa, could be you know two people that were in love since they were in you know fourteen, fifteen years old. So there's there's no turning back. Could be we just met two, we're so in love. Two weeks later, we're planning the engagement. I mean, there's a lot of different you know scenarios. So you just have to really you know hunker down and and say to yourself, is this it for me? Because if I settle, you know, there's going to be some you know issues. To that, you know, if I, I'm gonna, just going to settle because I need to get married and have children. But right? this conversation is going in a different direction. Let's yeah. stick to the topic. I do and not. I do not. Call, by the way. I do yeah. not believe in divorce. Absolutely not. 
I do not believe in it. But if you have to divorce, if you have to, pay a bunch of money and get an annulment so you, you can get remarried in the church. Well, well, <laughs> buy an annulment. Buy, buy an annulment. Buy an annulment. Who was the king? Uh, which king was that that do, used to do that? Do, do whatever you have to do. The whole point is. The whole point is. I do not believe in it. These so days. Hold on a second. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. I'm gonna chime in last. Sam, I want to. Hold on, no, Sam. I, mean, I want to hear your version. Okay, so if someone is being abused physically. I don't see any reason for for them to to stay in that marriage sure. because it, it can only escalate to something worse. Uh, maybe you know, you know, besides just bruising them and beatings, and death, beating, yeah, death. It yep. could, so okay. why would you do? Why would you stay in in that situation? I understand what you're saying. Hold on. Well, why would you stay in that situation where you're being abused physically? Maybe the it's typically mostly time most of the time the husband maybe comes home and you know drunk or whatever and then abuses uh, the spouse or even the children. Now if I if it were me if I was a woman and my husband came and either beat me or beat my kids, GTFO brother I'm out gone I'm out e five thousand man I don't care and what I'll worry about everything else later but I gotta protect my kids first. Myself second, and I'll move away from that situation as far as, it's, as, far it's, as I can. Unfortunately, so, a, lot, a lot of that's going around right now. And it's so a easy. All right. Take care, Robin. It's so care. easy. The thing is, it's so easy for somebody from a third-party perspective to say, no, you need to stay. You need Hell to yeah. stay for the kids. For what? To teach the kids that you can beat the hell out of them and right. it's okay? <laughs> Do that's what you want to teach them? Yeah. You can. So when they grow up, this that whole process continues i mean if you're if there's physical abuse even mental abuse you know what right mentally abusing somebody i don't know what that means how do you mentally abuse oh saying you're scum you're a little you're garbage verbal verbal abuse laying putting somebody down all the time you know what you you're every person has a uh, a light to shine on other people to be a better person that that they emanate to other people and if you're making somebody feel like that guess what they got a right to leave that relationship yeah you're a piece of you know, as Steve said. Yeah. yeah. So I would agree with you. Now, again, the other reason uh, I think you said a lot of that is happening now, uh, whether it be stress, financial situations, or whatever the case may be, I think a lot of divorce stems from infidelity, for one. And it could be either you caught them with something or at times with social media. Oh. There's a lot of things that go on with social media that you don't see. The you know direct Horrible. message. Uh, in, you know, instant messaging back and forth, and other other you know mediums that are available, that maybe there isn't a physical um, a physical relationship. There's no no nothing there that's happened yet, but there's an emotional cheating. You know what I mean? And I don't know if that constitutes you know, but at some, but, you know what, what, but, but well, here's what my my point yeah. is. That leads to something. It, it can lead to something. At least I think it can. But again, we're getting off topic. Stay on topic. What's the topic? Is do you believe in divorce? And what's the reason for? What's the, what's the, what's the kicker that throws over the edge? And don't forget, in in the day and age of our parents, there was a lot of people that I mean, you know, thank God my parents, as far as you know, I know they always seemed happy. But you know, there was a lot of marriages back in the day. It was the old the Omar and me talk about Mob Demery Nasha situation. It was the Hillary Clinton thing. You know, like Mob Demery Nasha, so before the for the face of uh, you know, public opinion in our community, they wouldn't do nothing. Well, so you're right. That's true too. But I think that also stems it's not that you know, you said you, in front of you your parents always seemed happy, but that's because 
they put an effort into their marriage, right? They put an effort into their marriage because of their children. And it wasn't fake. And I mean, obviously, they love each other. They wouldn't have stayed well, together. Even, well, but, exactly. But even if they did not feel that way, you know, they had made a, a decision with themselves, with each other to say, hey, in front of the kids, we're not going to do that. No. We're gonna, because if, if kids are raised in that situation, uh, and I think that I don't know what the statistics are. We could probably look them up. But children from a divorced uh, household have a higher probability of ending up in divorce themselves because it's become acceptable. It's okay. Hey, my parents did it, and I'm not going to put an effort in. But to your point, Mark, is your parents put an effort in it. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't fake because it worked, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But even if it didn't, they put an effort in to show their children, hey, this is how it should work. So they set that benchmark, all right, for you. And 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 hopefully it's filtered onto you and to your marriage and with your wife, right? And you show that same thing to your children, right? Mm-hmm. So – you know, I, I, I'm along with you, Steve. I don't think you should get divorced, but if in certain situations, I mean, you got to well, work through everything. But if it's if it's a yeah. dire situation where after counseling, after discussions, and after help from you know what happens in the old days, you're going to go see a priest, and the priest is going to get involved, and you get family members, and all this, all these people get involved. Look, I have you know. But, but how do you know? Look, as you here's the here's the X factor in marriage. You know is. There's sometimes like I've seen relatives of mine like that they the people that their kids get married to somebody that they totally disapprove of, but later on in life the person they disapproved of the most took care of them the most the parent took care of the parents and was closest to the family and the people they were so thrilled about they didn't talk to for twenty years. Oh yeah. How do you know? How do you know what? I mean, that's the scary not scary but the unknown is. You don't know what path you're going to take. And then there's also the saying that if you treated each other the way you did in the beginning, there'd never be an end. You know, it's like, but it's a hard, uh, it, it's such a gray area with a lot of this stuff that, you I know. I think financial should ever be a. No, financial is uh, garbage. That, yeah. As far as financial, unless. unless I think if a couple never took the, it to that point. But if a guy's in the casino, 20, if, let's say, let's say a guy's. Let's say, yeah, but I'm saying financial. financial. It's financial. I'm you, talking about financial. He lost his job, and he's making every effort to get back to work. And, no, you know, something adults like are not that. Being no, paid and well, she's stressing out, and she blames him, and yeah. he turns out to be a gobble. Uh, yeah, you know, I think oftentimes what happens is uh, maybe the guy marries out of his league, right? If a guy gets married way above his league and marries a uh, a woman who, who comes from a very wealthy family, maybe she was spoiled, and, and then she's accustomed to that lifestyle – Obviously, they fell in love for a certain reason, but then when she moves into his apartment versus this, you know, 5,000-square-foot house, and now they're living on a budget, there's tension. You know, maybe she's used to buying, you know, these fancy handbags and whatnot. There's tension to be had. There's a lot of pressure on the guy to continue to live that lifestyle. And I think, you know, nowadays, it maybe not as prevalent, but I know it happened maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but nowadays – you know, they meet in college, they get to know each other, they see the car that they drive, and they all are in the same situation. So hopefully that's not as prevalent. Well, that that means it's turning into a competition kind of. Well, it's always been, hasn't it? But, but no, I don't think it's working. It, it depends on the person. You know, it all depends on the person. I just it's, I just think there's so much gray area involved because when a, when people get together to get married, okay, obviously they love each other and this and that. But there's things that happen through life, you know. There's you, you look, time goes on. There, you got to remember. There's uh, whether it be like people fall out with family members and in-laws and and relatives that cause trouble, or even uh, 
things that you don't think about like yeah. grief, you know, like some, right. somebody who doesn't know how to handle grief and they go into depression and then they, they become isolated from their spouse mentally or whatever. There's a lot of things that go on that. I, that's why I just say that question is so hard to answer. I don't think there's a right or wrong, whether you should or shouldn't. If you can solve the problem and you can work together, you do it, you do it. And, and you definitely need, uh, I know a lot of people think that uh, parents that go on vaca- like vacation together for for like they go to Vegas together for a few nights or Miami or whatever, they think oh that's so selfish not to go with the kids. You know what? It's not. You need time alone yourselves to rekindle your relationship. Amen. The because... number to call in for uh, listeners is three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. That's three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. Thank you. Now, I I agree with you, Mark. Is, is what you said. Now, granted, people get divorced. They don't want to put. They throw in the towel and it's done. Mm-hmm. Now, the the other challenge is now you have children involved, and you know how do you manage? You know, if, especially if you have young children, how do you manage raising children in two separate households? And at times, the philosophies are different. And even when the when the divorce is fresh, there's a lot of bitter feelings towards each other and they play the kids against each other against each other and And it's a bigger competition as you as you say omar than it was when they were actually living together and the children who suffers you know but uh in all honesty the the bitterness gets it's you know basically it, it it uh evaporates over time in in a lot of cases it's i think okay my personal opinion when there is physical abuse involved and there are kids involved, absolutely get a divorce. Get a divorce, yeah, because absolutely. you don't want those kids getting raised in that household watching that, man. I agree. Right. Was it weird? Mental abuse or physical abuse, get out of that relationship. Here, here's the weird, a weird uh, stat that I read, too. Uh, they said that uh, some studies show that when the parents get divorced and the kids are small – it's way easier on them than when the kids, you'd figure when they're older, they accept it more. No, it's actually way worse on the kids when the kids are older than when they're young. Um, they have That's a much, huh? because they have better understanding of the relationship. Right? No, when they're young, no, no, when they don't understand it. I know it's easier. I'm it's saying easier, when they're yeah. young. Yeah. But when they're older, because you know, think about a 13, 14 year old, uh, you know, boy or girl has a good relationship with, you know, either parent or both parents, and sometimes there's always one that's closer. Maybe the daughter is a little closer to the mom, or she's the daddy's girl, or whatever the case is. And then you drop the bomb that, hey, we're gonna split. Mom and dad are not gonna be an item anymore. And then there's resentment. Well, why? Well, dad cheated or mom cheated. Mm-hmm. And then the, the 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 children are at times, you know, resent. Oh, I can't believe dad did that, or I can't believe mom did that. And then there's bigger problem. So yes, you're right. I, I can see why that is. But when they're younger, three, four, five years old, what do they know? Oh, dad's got a house and mom's got a house. You know? Yeah. They just like I accept gotta, it like, Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, don't understand it's a little bit later, which is, you know, sad nonetheless. The other thing is, is, you know, as we always go back to this on our show, it's become a kind of a mantra. Mob Dumbery Nash. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so what will people say? What will people say if my daughter gets divorced? Especially the girls. I mean, I, I think the girls are a bigger target of that than the, than the guys. You know, it's, it's not like they're going to go, well, what do people say if my son gets divorced? It's more like, what are people going to say if my daughter gets divorced? And, you know, to, to put that as a priority uh, over your daughter's well-being or your son's well, whatever, you know, whatever it is, to, to put that 
over, you know, somebody's well-being, your child's well-being is just plain stupid. Yeah, I know somebody that happened to also that their daughter was getting abused by the husband, physically abused, and so and but they didn't want to go through the Mabdarminasha routine. So, you know, we're so oh no, our shimmen and this that. Yeah. Guess what? He beat the hell out of her until finally they had to until until her oh, family gosh. was gonna kill the guy. And they you know, they finally let her get had her get divorced. You know what? That's where the brothers get involved. Yep. Guys come in and do a blanket party. <laughs> Guys, you have to understand, uh, in our faith, you know, the reason why divorce is not allowed because if with enough prayer, with enough guidance, anything's possible. I'll take you to a story of Saint Rita. Have you heard of Saint Rita? Saint Rita's uh definitely my favorite saint. Her feast day is on my birthday, so that's kinda cool. But I always loved her story. Saint Rita was uh, she was uh married at twelve against her will. She didn't want to get married. Had her first child at twelve. Whoa. Um she was married for eighteen years. During this 18 years, she was constantly abused, beaten on, cheated on, whatever you could think of. Um, what she did was uh, short of a miracle. It is a miracle. Uh, obviously, she's a saint. She prayed and prayed and every day, every day and every day, you know, till finally he just changed his ways. You know, he changed his ways. And it became... Uh, uh, it became a, 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 a wonderful marriage until he passed away, and, and you know she, he didn't let her go to the uh, convent, you know, to to be a nun and all that. She changed, and he changed, and you know she prayed about it. That's why they they don't let you divorce and and in, uh, in well, our church under any circumstance, well, abuse or they not. Don't, they don't That's want you to get divorced because you took an oath well. before God. You took an oath before God. Well, okay, but there's also a reason there's an annulment too. Read the St. Rita story and you'll understand. Well, I, I'm, I can understand that she prayed and she prayed and she prayed, but she got abused for 18 years. Well, you just got to keep praying because this is not the life that matters. You know, the life after but is Steve, what matters. But that's somebody who was called to that kind of life, too. That's not everybody in life's called. Yeah. The bottom line here is, far. you know, if you could change someone and if you could pray for them and make sure, you know, that they understand what they're doing is wrong and all that stuff, that's one thing, but... As soon as you start dealing with, you know, calling the police and getting people locked up and, you know, so on and so forth and taking, you know, the kids and running out of the house and, you know, whatever. Oh, when you would call the, the cops, just shoot them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mess around, you man. Call the, that's, eventually. the only praying is he. What are going to have to do with a barrel of a gun down his face? That's what, that's what I was, you know, you get trying to bruises explain. First. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely have to believe in, in, in the in the word of the Lord as far as getting a relationship reconciled. Definitely. Uh, I mean, that's, that's so ideal. Definitely. No murder, but name. Well, unfortunately, these days it is unrealistic, but... Uh, no, it's... I mean, I think it's if we do, if we, if we, family story doesn't happen. Yeah, time. if we have Trump for president, there'll be no more divorces. So... <clears throat> what? Huh? Yeah, I just had to throw in a Trump. 2016, Trump. <laughs> Where's your bumper sticker? Oh, it's coming. So now, you know, I guess uh, it does happen. How do they deal with it? And we we know we all know people in our community that, that are divorced either with or without children. And again, the challenge is raising them in two different households. And then after that, even after you've been divorced a number of years, okay, you've become comfortable with the situation. As far as what Mabdamri Nasha, you know what? They'll talk until there's something else to talk about. Yeah. Right? They'll get over it. They'll get over it. 
you know, something. But here's the, the the next phase of that is dating with kids, right? Do you do it? Don't you do it? I don't know if that's, you know, that's even well, more taboo. I'm, or I don't know. It's, you know, do you date someone with children? Why not? I I don't see anything wrong with it if that's your if that's your thing. But I mean, if you're, I mean, you got a lot of life ahead of you. If, you, if somebody else, you never know. Sometimes. There's a lot of people that get divorced, and then they meet somebody great that treats them great. I mean, it's hard sure. to. Sure. No, no. I, that, nothing, but again, you, you know, if it, I, I can only speak for myself. I'm happily married, thank goodness. But if I were, had gone through that, and I had met someone, I think about whoever's listening to the uh, to the show that may have children, is divorced, and you bring someone else into the picture. Now, if you're depending on how old your kids are, you have to be really confident with that person in order for them to you know meet your children but on top of that let's say it progresses to a serious relationship and there is a marriage a mixed uh, marriage i don't know if i could handle anyone else disciplining my children is the, is the thing see I, there's no way i could ever out again thank god i got a great marriage yeah. but i'm saying i can never remarry because i don't think i could ever commit commit you know like you commit your your heart your life your soul to your spouse Right. And if, yeah, but, but I don't Mark, think you could ever change and start over that again. I agree yeah, but, with you. But you're you're coming from a good marriage. Yeah. You're coming from a bad one where it was disastrous. That's true too. You're looking for a reason to live. Yeah, you know? where there was abuse or where there was no love to begin with. Dude, I know somebody. All right, right now, okay, who was involved in a in a prearranged marriage. There was never any chemistry or love or anything to begin with. Okay, and it just deteriorated from there. You know, it turned into a little bit of abuse. It turned into all this and all that. So. Coming from that kind of relationship, it's a lot different than coming from, yeah, from someone like yours. I could definitely understand what you're saying that you couldn't commit to anybody else again after that or whatnot. But uh, in in a you know in different circumstances like the one I just mentioned, it's it's a totally different ballgame. And, and Sam's right. Uh, the Mab Demery Nasha thing will blow over once, like Aunt Najiba wears an open back dress to a wedding. Let me and everybody can talk you, about that. Then yeah. it's the new topic. Let me ask you what Sam said. <laughs> Sam is absolutely fat back, on point. So back fat, whatever. It's called. <laughs> yeah, Sam is absolutely on point. Back boobs. <laughs> people only have people only talk about something until they have the next thing to talk about. These days, okay, this is very interesting. These days. Nothing lasts more than two or three days in the freaking public's mouth. Yeah, because people are pummeled with news 24 yeah, hours a day, man. So much, this, I mean, there's so much inter, inter information being disseminated that nothing lasts. I mean, you know, so just a, an example, right? We all remember back in the 80s, and we all grew up with the whole, you know, Chaldean mob thing, right? Okay, one incident will get talked about for two years, one or two years, right? An incident like that, these days get talked about maybe two or three days, and it gets dropped. Sometimes only hours and it's gone. Exactly. So for for us for people to worry about, oh my God, if I if I you know uh, if if I marry a if I marry a fat person, or if I marry a divorced person, or if I marry a blind person, what are people going to say about me? They're going to they they might talk about you for maybe a day, and it's gone after that. It's done. You move on to the next thing. Yeah, because the next important thing is to post a picture of their food on Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> Something way more important than that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, two people, a couple, you know, you have a couple who's where somebody, uh, you know, like say the guy cheated or the woman cheated or whatever, right? It's going to get talked about for about an hour for maybe a day and it's done after that. Nobody cares, you know, and that's just how it is these days. So for if people live with with that kind of fear it's it's not even rational anymore these days so there you have that 
Wow, wonderful. Well, almost as good as your sermon. Thank you. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I think you're absolutely right, Omar. Uh, I think uh, gossiping is uh, definitely uh, toned down. I think because there's a lot of like Facebook and social media. Everybody's into themselves now. They don't care. Gossiping hasn't toned down, but the duration of a topic for gossip. Yeah, the 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 topics definitely go down. But the Mob Dem Rinashi thing still exists. I mean, hundred percent. It's like so so hilarious, hilarious, and out of control. Another twenty years. Nah, that'll never be gone, dude. Everyone's too worried about what the hell anybody else does. They don't know what that means. Worse than Chechana, man. Everyone's looking. You know, it's like those people that go to a casino and go, I get it, man, casino, It's like, you were in the damn casino with him. What are you talking about? You They're saw wild. that. They're wild. <laughs> there isn't too many things these young ladies are doing these days that will surprise anyone in the future. So that's well, not definitely Ladies are the guys, too, man. No, that's inevitable, but I'm just saying. Well, guys are. Worse, Steve. The guys are the ladies. Either. As far as what? What you're saying. Well, who's doing worse? Well, I mean, obviously, guys have to respect the woman, right? They respect their fellow Chaldean, you know, woman they from do? the beginning. They have to, because that's the whole name of the game. You, you know, you you like you, you. First of all, you should always know that you don't sit there and try to date a Chaldean girl in high school, because what's the point? Yeah. You know, in college, it makes more sense, and then yeah. you just don't want to sleep with her for no reason unless you want to get married. And even if you do want to get married with her, you don't sleep with her at that point either. So regardless, you know, everyone has to behave like normal human beings in order to have a fruitful relationship, in my eyes, as far as, you know, reuniting under one uh, sacrament. But, um, and so good. So, so really, so really a man and woman must respect themselves these days. And from what I've seen, like, there's a lot of pictures on Instagram with provocative clothing. The tits are hanging out more. The cleavage is showing more. Um, it's just to what point, you know, what's left for the imagination? There really isn't. You know, there's really not. The number for our listeners, again, 347-857-3847. That's 347-857-3847. Then you got the guys out here liking every so, single okay. pic. They're let's, hitting them up in the DM. So we still it's not something, let's, let's you know. the topic of social media for a minute. Okay? It might be, I mean, we can take an angle here for, with social media. If social media has caused uh, a lot of ruckus, right, in these in, you know, you hear stories about people, married people meeting others on social media. You know, it becomes disastrous where they it does it could it could lead to cheating. What are you know? What are the is that is that really playing a big part? You guys think in causing you know cheating or negative uh, negative issues within relationships or marriage? I don't think it's any different than it used to be. It's the only thing is now it's on Facebook instead of people meeting somewhere, you know? No, no, well, definitely it's more it's, access, more easy I agree. access. Yeah, yeah it's, it's more access. It's definitely a lot different. It's a lot sneakier. If you, you don't do it, that's that. why you don't care. You, yeah. you don't do it. That's why you yeah, don't, it doesn't come to your mind. It's easier. It's more accessible. Unlike meeting someone at a bar. You meet someone at a bar, you're married, people see you talking to someone. Yeah. But this is on the DL, you know, the download yeah. sneaky. Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, you meet someone at the bar and you guys click, you hand out numbers. They're on your Facebook right after that. Well, I will say, I just got a million dollars deposited in my account from a king from Zimbabwe. I just had to give him my social security number, name, address, twenty five thousand dollars, and my bank account number. Was that your spam mail? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So definitely, Omar, social media has. So it has opened the the door. Absolutely. 
absolutely. What's Facebook sitting out with since 07? 06, 07? I mean, come on. Is, but funny, know? though, Facebook is really now for 40 and up. No kids I, are on Facebook. Nobody Facebook. under 40 you on know Facebook. What? Two, two years Snapchat, ago, Snapchat, Instagram the kids Instagram. are on Snapchat. Well, yeah. Snapchat, because they can post something. Two years ago, Facebook it. definitely lost its popularity two, three years ago, but it's definitely, definitely now it back on the, the radar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all older people. It no, 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 I don't yeah. think so. I think it's back on the radar. I think a lot of people are utilizing Facebook just because it's, it's a whole new dimension as far as every day they keep changing what they're doing on Facebook as far as being more accessible to videos and, and things like that, longer videos. And, I mean, it's nice to catch a four- or five-second clip of something, you know, and it's cool, Snapchat, like in the mall, but that's, I think that's more kitty kitty stuff, you know. I, I don't really think... But that all starts with the kitty stuff. So again, yeah. the younger kids are all on yeah. Snapchat. Yeah. Instagram, Instagram, quick, you really can't do nothing. Instagram, you really couldn't do anything until they came out with a DM. Uh, the, the DM is a direct message portion of the Instagram. You you know, you comment. Before, it was just commenting on someone's picture, like, from 30 weeks ago, and hopefully they catch it, and they start talking under a picture, and you keep deleting comments. Don't ask me how I know. Um, <laughs> so, so now it's all about hitting them up in the DM. So, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, you got to hit them up in the DM. Direct oh. messaging? Yes. Okay. It's going down in the DM. You yeah. never heard that song before, Omar? No, but uh, it's going down. It reminds me of a call. It's going down for real. Snapchat me that. You never heard that before? No. I don't Come pay on. attention to too much. I'm, I'm over garbage. 40. Some stuff. I'll play the song for you. I'm still posting my band stuff. I'm behind the times. I don't. I don't pay attention to current music. It's garbage. I'm still yeah, sending. I'm sending emails out. It's all about the DM. It's going down in the DM. Omar, you're not familiar with that real. phrase. No, but uh, like I said, it, it reminds me of one of the calls we had in the last show. She said, "DM me." Remember that? Oh. I'm hoping the next big trend in music is there's actually some talent out there. Just saying. Yeah. How is the music career going? Uh, not but slow, slow but sure, you know. Mm. Okay. All right, drop the number again. Let's take a little break. And I showed my boobs and nobody wanted to hear three, my music three, afterwards. Four, I don't know seven, what's going eight, on. Five, this is a song here, Omar. Three, eight, four, seven. It's three four seven eight five seven three eight four seven. Yeah. And Steve's playing a song for us. Oh, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. It sounds about as dumb as the rest of today's music. Yeah. Okay, we got the rest of it. We got the rest of it, Steve. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. We got the rest of it. All right, well. We're going to take a very quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. Again, the number is 347 857 HelpIraq.org was formed by St. Thomas the Apostle Eparchy soon after ISIS conquered the city of Mosul, Iraq. The organization provides humanitarian aid to the displaced minorities in Iraq and abroad. To learn more about us, visit www.helpirac.org. Under its various subcommittees, Help Iraq provides monetary funding and distributes necessary supplies that meet the daily needs of the exiles. Through the effort of many donors and in conjunction with other organizations, HelpIraq.org is able to reach thousands of the displaced providing medical supplies, clothing, kitchenware, and even medical funding for those in desperate need of surgeries. But these people need more. 
and their plight is growing sadder and more desperate on a daily basis. It's people like you who can make them help a difference. Learn more about how you can help and how you can donate as a volunteer or any other kind of donation. Visit us at www.helpirac.org. That's www.helpirac.org. We're back, and uh, we're going to be talking about an interesting thing going on. Of course, we're in 2016. The elections are coming up this year. The rivalries are heating up, and by the time November rolls around, who the hell knows where we'll be at. But uh, uh, Steve is pretty heated up about this in here. He was just fighting and wanted to kill all of us. Feel the burn. Well, come on. I'll tell you what. My kids' college. You know, you got a lot of you got a lot of people out here. They're really undecided. You got a lot of people out here that that that's, that are giving their opinion. The way I see it, if you're not getting up and voting, come March, come November, you can't say nothing. Don't even open your mouth. Don't even have a, a saying in anything. If you're not registered for the general, you know, there's no excuse. You can't even you know voice your opinion. Anyway, here's what I'm saying. Uh, a lot of people have been um, uh, turning their back, going against uh, common. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know how to say it because if you really think about it, who's really running for president right now? Who do we got? We got Donald Trump and we got Hillary Clinton. So everybody that's bad-mouthing Donald Trump, eventually they're going to be voting for him or not voting at all. So how does that work? Like, how do you say, oh, I hate Trump? Oh, he is this and he's that and he hates. He wants to well, build a wall and not a bridge. Hey, Steve, I'm going to agree with you on one thing because what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Trump doesn't have any experience. Oh, and the person okay. is who's uh, yeah. great experience, Barack. Commander in chief right now has wow. experience. You can't have Ronald Reagan. Ways. I mean, I'm sure he was shooting movies before no, anything. Those pe- the on. same people that voted Obama in can't have it both ways. They can't true. say that Trump doesn't have experience because Obama didn't have experience. That's true too. So it's yeah. tough. You know, these people that want to kind of. It's funny they say that, or and then they you come got up with stuff that's Hillary. Very hypocritical. Oh, I mean, I who's going to vote for Hillary? I cannot. I mean, stand I mean, the only reason why she ha- even has the minority vote Bill. or the Hispanic yeah. vote because of Bill. They think, oh, Bill, Bill's wife. Hell yeah, yeah, we got a party. Right. <laughs> Let me say this much: uh, the Bush family is officially out. Let's make the Clinton family the next family out. We don't need either one of these people in office again. Ah, we know he, especially. I'm sorry, go ahead. How about Bernie? He's going to pay for everyone's college. Though. Socialist who Come used on. to write porno books. Come on. No, he did? Yeah, he used to write pornographic books. I don't know what that was him. I know he, he, lived on, he lived on Come basically on. government assistance for most of his didn't life. Didn't have a job till what, 40? His first it, job? Well, yeah, he didn't have you know no experience or nothing, but he lived on, I don't know, if the, you know but on government assistance for a long time, and uh, then he got elected to office. Of course, that's why he wants to give everything away that yeah. you work for. Well, he doesn't understand basic economics is my thing. He doesn't understand that. And people, even young kids nowadays, and I've got a, a relative of mine that on um, social media, and she's a big supporter. And she, you know why? She'll, Free tuition. Well, that's all they're thinking thing. about. So I ask her, so how's it gonna? How are you gonna pay for it? Well, the tax the rich. So okay, so you're gonna tax the people pulling the wagon because everybody wants to sit in the wagon. What happens when the person pulling the wagon doesn't want to pull the wagon anymore? I'm going to sit in the, in the damn wagon too. Then what? 
there's no there's, there's these taglines, there's, there's these bumper stickers, and they think that they live in this fancy world. There's nobody's thought this through. I was at a breakfast today, um, a fundraising breakfast with a client of mine, and I'm sitting across uh, someone at the table, and I was asking her, you know, kind of what her passion is, what she does, and she's, you know, volunteering and doing all these things to help the ones that are less fortunate because it seems like, um, you know, she gives me that one percent and all this and these statistics she's sharing with me, and I said, well. How, how do you propose? You know, she's actually a student too, a college student. I said, so you want to d- redistribute things? She says, yeah, I think it's fair. I said, well, where do you go to school? She told me where she goes to school. I said, you work hard for your grades. You know, what are your grades? She said, oh yeah, I'm, you know, a student. I said, good for you. I said, how about is everyone in your class an A student? She goes, no. I said, what if there's a D student there? Wait a minute, why look that far? Look at what him and Hillary going at it in New Hampshire. He beat Hillary, and she got the same amount of votes as him. That's yeah. socialism at its best, at its right, best there. right there. That's so, poetic justice. So it is poetic justice. So I try to explain this college student because the, the the professors are brainwashing these children. I said, okay, if there's a student in the class that has a D, it's unfair, right? Unfair. Poor kid's got a D. You got an A. Why don't we average the two and give you guys both a, a C? And once people get things free, they become comfortable getting things free, and they never want to advance themselves. So there's the giant corporations, and there's the individuals at the bottom, and the whole middle class is washed out, just like it is now. Why, why the middle class has been washed out? Because we're almost in a socialist environment and, now. And if socialism fails, what's next? You know what's next? It's communism. Communism. Exactly Commies, right. yep. That's what happens. We're talking about that, that already everybody's divided on... They're already. It's like socialism and communism right now. People are divided on religion. They're divided on race. They're divided on economic status. You know, it's like this, this is a tipping point for the nation. Really yep. a tipping point for the nation. Who are you voting for, March? Trump. I'm not voting for anybody but. Well, you know, I He's like getting the nomination. Like Cruz, By the way, I think the, Trump will get the nomination, and I end up voting for for Trump. Listen, Rubio is a great guy. I really like Marco Rubio. He's a great guy, honest uh, guy. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Like he's no, here's former the former bad member of Menudo. It, so here you go. Here you go. Basing it on his looks and basing it on substance. Substantively, he is a decent guy. I like billionaires. Okay. Hold on one second. I like billionaires. Well, you don't want my finances in the country. Forget about billionaires. Okay. I'm just trying to say substantively, like. he says that jobs. You don't have to go to college to get an eighty thousand dollar job. Eighty thousand dollar a year job as a welder and other trades that are gone in this country that can come back that were the middle class. What made the middle class were the guys that were making seventy five and eighty thousand dollars a year. Those are the people that spend. Those are the people that buy a cottage up north and they buy a jet ski and they buy a motorcycle. They, they make their payments. They yeah, this is not but they've gutted that with this the, we we're basically in socialism now, the way things are. Who can look at it? They're, the government's basically regulating small businesses out of business right now. Who can handle all this regulation? Only giant companies that have a massive uh, massive building with an HR department in it. This is not. This is all bullshit that little businesses can't handle. That's why half the strip centers are empty. That's why all you see now left in strip centers is a nail salon and a freaking uh, subway. I mean, this is the Some great. Yeah, the great divide. The great divide has happened because of this socialist attitude of, oh well, everybody can collect welfare. Yeah. Those guys working can take care of us. Don't worry about it. Yeah. If you don't give people and incentivize them to do things. Then guess they what? Won't. They won't. Yeah, it's like somebody who's retired. What after you, maybe the first week you're incentivized to wake up and go to the gym and do things. After that, you're like, well, I might as well chill and watch Green Acres again. My check's coming in, you know. Well, that that's a big problem too. So 
but again, it's not like it used to be uh, where we would help people instead of giving a handout, you're giving them a hand up, the, you know, give them a job, provide some training and get them working and help them provide themselves. And now there is no, um, at least a program when it was, you know, 20 years ago, or I don't know how long ago, but you'd have to provide proof that you actually went out looking for a job. Now you don't have to. You don't have to show proof that, to get unemployment or to get government assistance. You can just apply for it, and you get it. But there's there's such a wide – like, I, I – look, I don't want to say – I really don't care whether it's re- Republican or Democrat or whatever. There's certain facts that are on the table right now as to why things are going the way they are. And giant corporations have eaten up everybody like monsters. Uh, even in my business, look at gro- how many grocery stores are left. How many supermarkets, independents are Kroger's out there annihilating everybody. They're the machine. They get all the money up front for all these companies. They're annihilating everybody. But why are all these giant companies getting bigger and bigger and the little guys are going away? They're regulating you out of business. There's And think about this. How many things are invented now or like, like technological things or whatever where this company is bought out for $13 billion. There's seven people in the company. You know, before it was like, there was like a company that had 10,000 employees and they divided up these bonuses of, you know, maybe between, you know, 10,000 10, employees divided up or whatever, a uh, billion dollars in profit went between the employees. Yeah. Now it's like seven people get 9 billion, right. so you, you know, you run a small business. Yep. And so what are some of the challenges you're facing in this, you know, regulatory environment? Everything. Is Obamacare is annihilation. Obamacare is annihilation. How many employees do you have? Don't you have to? You have we to have about we have between the stores probably around 275 employees. Holy and Lord. and as long as you're under common ownership, you're all considered one. Whether you got different LLCs means nothing. Different DBAs means nothing. So you have to provide health care. You have to the way they get you. They all work certain hours. The way they force you to get over the limit of 50 people is they take account of your employees. They take your full timers, then they take all your part timers. Two part timers count as a full timer. Oh. They add that up. If it's over 50, now you have to offer health care to everybody in the business. Well, I did not know that. Which we already offered yeah. to the full-timers to offer half, pay half their health care. So you got that. Now your uh, your HSAs, you have to go to the HSA, PPO, HMO. There's all the different offerings of health care. And deductibles are now through the roof because they, you know, they have to census your group and this and that. And there's so many regulations. It's just – the back end costs of operating a business are obnoxious right now because of all the government regulations. So before that, um, I'm sure you have a handle on the cost of what it was before Obamacare and what it is now. What's that percentage increase for you in your business? Oh, sh- on, on health care and regulation and doing censuses and all that crap, our health care is probably up at least 50 percent, if not more. Wow. Plus, don't forget, that's only half the picture. How about the deductibles? Yeah. Deductibles have gone through the freaking roof. Go get a HSA. You get to put. You have to put sixty seven health savings account for those are listening. Health savings account, right? You up. You load that up front with sixty seven hundred bucks. You have to spend all sixty seven hundred. Lose it. Besides losing it, your what happens is uh, they charge you the highest price. Like when you have a regular health health plan. Yeah. Like let's say it's eighty twenty. You you pay the eighty. You know, and they pay the twenty percent. So when you do the HSA, you put the money in the account. But they charge you full price on everything. When you get a prescription that was fifteen dollars, it's now two hundred and fifty dollars. You pay for the the full price until you reach the sixty seven hundred, another two thousand for your prescription. Then after that, they start covering everything normally. Right. So you're almost self 
insuring to a certain point. Absolutely. Okay. So you're, all you're basically covered is for catastrophic stuff after pretty that. Pretty much. So my, my point is, is that additional cost has gone up by 50% with 270 employees. That's money that could have gone back into the business, maybe hire more people. Now you're Give out bonuses, hire bonuses, more employees. Expand, uh, maybe do an, open up another business. Another business? Store. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time opening no, up another business. Why would you? Because then you'd have more, the, you'd have more employees at another location that would wind up costing you even more so, correct? Yeah, look at the regulation on the banking, which is another, another right. annihilation of the small businesses. Right. Before, you used to go to the bank, and they had a relationship with you, and they knew what you were. You're a payer or you're not a payer. Right. You know what? You can throw the book at somebody. If there's somebody who doesn't pay, they ain't going to pay. Right. But if you're somebody who pays, if they don't, make, if they don't secure anything, you're going to pay. But now there's all the government regulations, there's the covenants, there's the ratios, there's everything else that they regulate you, that the government has a blanket regulation on with these banks to right. stick it to you, you know? Well, uh, regulation is also happening in the financial industry, financial services, industry, not just the banking, but uh, it, that's coming down, uh, I believe, sometime this year. Yeah, with well, your 401ks, has been going on. Yeah, all this well, money you got to pay to have a census done and all that stuff, testing true. and the testing, census well, and all this crap. Guys, we got a special guest. We, we have a caller. Angelo. Hello, good afternoon, folks. Uh, good evening, folks. I'm sorry, Angelo Benu. How are you guys today? Good. How about yourself? Good. I'm gonna have to agree with the with the, with these gentlemen that are speaking. Uh, the regulations are getting awful. Um, as a matter of fact, for small business owners, for party stores, for supermarkets who are legitimate, there are banks that are not even accepting them anymore. Uh, they call them money service money service businesses. They're like liquor stores, supermarkets, via whatnot. They don't want them anymore, and, and it's making it. The, and eventually, if you don't banks want them, banks don't want them anymore. I'm sorry. The I banks mean, don't want yeah. Angelo. You're 100 percent on. The banks don't want you anymore because the regulation on check cashing is so strict yeah. with the banks that they don't even want your business with check cashing. No, and they're well, they're they're, not, they're, they're, so, they're they're making it hard. Crazy. I mean, I mean, how is everybody? How are you going to operate a business without a bank account? Well, there's also talk of uh, they want to digitize. Your money. So there's no greenbacks anymore. No, no money in your pocket. Everything will be uh, digitized because it's easier to control. And I uh, heard uh, not too long ago on, uh, in, in the news, I think maybe in Bloomberg or something, that they may be talking about getting rid of the $50 bill and the $100 bill. Uh, so that will el- eliminate any large purchases that you make. So you're not going to go buy anything large with 20s. They want you to do it all through you know, a card, a debit card, so that way you don't the, the cash. Is that's not typical stupid overregulation by politicians. It's that horrible. they're only scared I'll you're going to you steal because they're they don't want a competition no, for their well, stuff. That's true too. But here's the thing: it's is horrible. I'll they tell can you print why. as much as bad. they want. I'm sorry. What's that, Angelo? That's horrible because when I go to like a small business, like a restaurant, all that, I like to pay cash because they already have enough overhead to begin with. And for me to go charge ten dollars or five dollars on a credit card. Is is bad because it, they're already then they have to eat up another cost of two three percent of doing business. I think you know, the same way you do. You're right. I think that same way. I mean, I've owned a small business in the past, and uh, you know, typical somebody comes in wants to charge a dollar fifty pack of gum. I said, just take it. It's cheaper for you just to yeah. take it. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I understand what you're saying. So yeah, it's. I I was not aware that the banks are now, um, you know, putting that type of pressure on the small businesses. So what are the options you have? Where do you go from this point if they don't want your business? You go to a smaller bank, a credit union? 
or is this regulation okay. across the, the board? They're really stacking the deck against you because I'm not a banker, but from what I understand, I've dealt with a lot of banks, is they set you up on a point system. If you're over 100, supposedly 100 points, by them evaluating your statements, you're considered a high risk. And one of the things that throws you over the 100 points is having an ATM machine. I mean, that, I don't understand what, how that could, that could be a hindrance to you as, as a person. You know, you're trying to make some extra money by having a, and have a convenience for your customers and make some extra money by having an ATM machine. Why can Myers, why can Kroger, uh, why can Target have an ATM machine? Why can't, you know, Joe's Liquor Shop have an ATM machine? So is the Target and the Meyer under the same regulation for that ATM or just a small business? As Well, here, even if they're under the same regulation, it doesn't matter because they're so, they know that only these massive companies can absorb these HR costs and they have – because it's, it's like advertising, right? If you spend 100000 yeah. on advertising divided by 1,000 stores, it's cheap. You yeah. divide by four stores, it yeah. ain't so cheap. It's like this HR stuff. They got this back-end regulation. I'm tired of wasting mm, my right. time. With all these censuses and bullshit, and you go to the bank and do all this paperwork, and you got covenants, and you got ratios, all this garbage just to just to make sure that they regulate you out of business. Wow. Yeah, but I'll tell you, there are some banks, there are some banks that that really do bend over backwards and really try to help out, especially our people. There's like Comerica that's very good to our people. Comerica's always been very good to our people. Uh, Chase doesn't 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 take any stores. Bank of America doesn't take any stores. Uh, Key Bank doesn't take any stores, but there are some small good banks that that do. Talmers does is very good to our people. So there are still some that are a lot of the credit unions too, Angelo. Yeah, yeah, credit unions. So, and also another that. thing, another thing I was I, I was you guys were speaking about is uh, is uh, you know people living on government assistance and whatnot. A problem, and I've written this letter to the governor is. They don't reach out. They, they don't. They, the people that are on welfare and all these services, they don't reach out to help to help people. They, they they don't reach out to help people and get jobs. They don't say, "Look, we can we can help you get a job. We partner with companies. We can we can whatnot." So they just they just leave them on 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 uh, on uh, welfare. Uh, myself personally, like I've tried to get a job with the state before. They have no program to help people get a job with disabilities. Um, the, they're very prejudiced in who they hire. That if you go to all the Department of Human Services, where they service a lot of Chaldeans, they barely have any Chaldeans working at any of these offices. So, hmm. Yeah. Sue them. Nice. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, you're right. There's no training. There's no forcing anybody to train or get themselves out of a bad situation. You know, oh. there are people that do need assistance, but let's face it. When they when they lower this, like they make it so easy for everybody to get it. What's people's yeah, incentive? What is a person's incentive to make them to improve themselves? There isn't. And I'll be yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Um, a lot of the big grocery stores, I, I've I've found this uh, because I used to work at Myers, and the people that 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 are on food stamps are their best customers, and I'll tell you why. Because they're getting free money, so they don't look for sale item. Whereas you or I yep. would walk in and just buy everything on sale. Whereas if a food stamp person will say, "Hey, it's not my money anyway. Let me just buy, you know, whatever I want." So they're they're better customers. So I'm almost inclined to think that the big businesses, uh, are the, the the big businesses in Michigan want more welfare recipients. 
Yeah, their profit margin obviously is higher because of that. Oh yeah, they they make they make nothing but money off. I mean, I don't know if anyone who guys own a grocery store, or they they make good money off of Wick, and they make good money off of off of food stamps because the person will just buy and, and people. Uh, I seen a survey one time, almost eighty percent of people blow their food stamps within like the first seventy two hours, and and I'm sure they you know like I said they don't they don't they don't know how to. They don't know how to uh, how to spend them the right way. Uh, you, you set, there was one time an effort to make in the state where, let's say, if somebody got $150 a month, where they were breaking it up in increments to have the person eat healthy and have the person do a better job of managing their budget, but that died. Well, don't they do it now? Don't they split it in two? No, over the they, month? They, they they issue one shot. But what they did, what they did do to to help businesses, small businesses, and other businesses and whatnot is. They, before the food stamps used to be it used to be issued for the first ten days a month, so the store would be busy as heck for the first ten days of the month, and they'd run out of stock for regular people because the, the food stamp guy would come in like like it's no tomorrow, like food's gonna finish and just buy everything in one shot deal. So what they did was they made it they they made it from the third to the twenty first. Everybody gets their disbursement to even out the loads on the stores. Okay, so they so they some people will get theirs on the first, some will get on the seventh, some will get on the fourth. Is that how it's 14th, spread out? Some will get them on the nineteenth. Yes, from from the, from, oh, the from the first to the twenty first. Yeah, so they did yeah. that to help businesses out. But but make no mistake about it, Meyer, Kroger, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it, 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 do not shun. Do 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 not shy away from from food stamp recipients. They advertise it proudly, and and those are their best customers. And even now. Sam's Club and Costco, who are supposed to be wholesalers, accept them, so they hurt businesses even more. Yeah, you have to pay a fee. You have to pay a fee to be a member, and they accept EBT. How how about the fact of all? How about the fact of how friendly that all the government agencies are to all these gigantic corporations, but flip the middle finger to the independent guys? Everyone makes it like Whole Foods is some kind of big hero for going in downtown. I got news for you. They got tons of tax breaks and exactly. dollars to build and subsidies and everything else. Yep. I'm sorry, what? Why don't you do it? Yeah, you ain't getting no money. Right. You think you're getting money, Sam? You ain't getting it. You you yeah. act like you just go up and they give you money. Any one of these giant companies, they all stroke them. Let me tell you something. Detroit was the only city in the United States for, what, 20-some years. There was not a chain store. In fact, one thing yes. I'll say about Coleman Young, Coleman Young loved Chaldeans. Coleman Young said if it wasn't for Chaldeans, my people would starve. He said everyone ran for the hills. Farmer Jack took off. Every single giant corporation took off except the Chaldeans we stayed. How did they reward us? Giving Meyer and incentives and giving Whole Foods and all these guys incentives to open the city, giving them tax breaks and everything else to come back and put all of us out of business. That's the reward for being loyal to the city. Yeah, exactly. Then then every year they come out with their – Your parking lot. Yeah, and then then every year they come out with their stupid – they they come out with some story on the news where they go they go into some crappy little party store and go look at this outdated stuff in here and they completely avoid all the good the good stores in Detroit there's all a bunch of oh, great this. stores that sell fresh product to the people but they act like yeah. everyone's shopping in this tiny little liquor store with everything outdated in it you know yeah where what about the county they totally misrepresent us. there's a lot of shit in Detroit but there's a lot of no there's a lot I've of good in, stores I've too. been in some of these liquor stores I, I was in one about two weeks ago on Six Mile and Ryan beautiful store they just spent a ton of money redoing it all LED lights it's not outdated at all so they pump money into the economy Angelo did I see you at Novi Mall today was that you 
Yeah, that was me. Wow. Okay, how I about this? Sure. I how saw about... you walking in the snow, and I was like, you know what? Where's he at? <laughs> how about how about this? How about the fact that yeah. the Chaldeans have the guts to go into the neighborhoods that none of these chain stores do? They open on the edge of Eight Mile. They open downtown in between the hospitals yeah, and won't. stuff. How come they don't open on Linwood and Davison? How come they don't open on you know some uh, one of the real neighborhoods where people actually live, not on the little yeah. cute outskirts, you know? And this this goes back to what this goes back to what you said a few minutes ago. The the big corporations wait out wait wait till the till the storm has calmed, and then everything is all safe and the infrastructure is well. And then and then they roll out the red carpet for them, and they look like heroes, like they came into the city. They didn't come into the city when things were bad. They came there when things were good. And let me tell you, if anything ever happens again, if something bad happens in the city again, they're going to close up and run for the hills again, just like they always yeah, they do. Will. That's, what they will. That's, what, that's what they do everywhere. Look at them. Flint. Well, they don't have a single grocery store there. And there's Chaldeans that have stores in Flint. Yep, and we work with – and let me tell you something, too. We're, we're at Linwood and Davis in 32 years – we work with all the churches. We work with all the neighborhood organizations. In fact, we ran a program called the United Youth 2000 with Coach Robert Brown, where we, it was a mentoring program. We took care of the kids. We do a lot with the neighborhoods that goes under the radar because that, because that's the way the media works. Whatever we're doing that's yeah. good, they shove it under the radar, but they make sure they bring out anything that's bad. You know what you should do is if you're working with the churches, the churches have a lot of pull in the city. You should tell yeah. that pastor you work with to say, listen, you should call the city and let us know because we could use the support. Let them know that we do this. Call the news you, and let them know what well, we do. Well, here's the problem. You have Look a store news. on Linwood and Davidson? We had one on Linwood and Davidson for 32 years. We sold it when my, my dad and my uncle retired. Oh, and we still got one on Joy Road and Evergreen. And like I said, I worked there for, 30, for my whole life I worked there. But I'm saying yeah. we went and we did a lot of stuff with the people with the you neighborhoods suffer. that went under the radar, yet these these chain stores do nothing, and they, they build them up. And they where do they put them? In the, in the, the you know, because these are the real high-profile areas downtown yeah, where they're building they're safe, everything. You know, the, the yeah, police that, are always there, but they don't open them in the neighborhoods. They won't open a neighborhood store. Hell no, because the police never showed up at our stores. When yeah, stuff went yeah. down, you were hanging by yourself. It was you. You were, you were left to yeah. fend for yourself, and, and they still don't show up. Dude, not to mention the fact that we're like, we work with the people in the neighborhood. We knew everybody, them, their kids, their grandkids. When they were short of money, we gave them money. We did everything to yeah. people. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, we're almost running out of time, but here's a thought that I had. I know the AFD is supposed to unite the, you know, the, you know, the business owners in the city and metro area. How come... There isn't a little bit more pressure on city officials to assist the small business owner in Detroit. Because their eye in the city is only on – they don't care about the little guy. That's what you don't yeah, get. But the AFD puts they, enough pressure. The governor Think about needs it. to help, they, they, The governor needs to help, too. I mean, the governor needs to help. All right, so how many small grocery stores are in the city? If these guys – There's a million. Want, okay, so here, here's a thought. It's a crazy thought. If everybody's just willing to, to shut down for two days – you can't do it. I know. Nobody Dude, you was, you're, you're, you're starve the city. Yeah, you're, you're starving starve the, starve the people in the but city. But then you, then you wake people up. That's my point. Is it has to be something drastic and crazy. And no, you know extreme. what they'll do? They'll spin the story. Yeah. They'll spin the story to say, Chaldean store owners starve neighborhood. I'm telling you. <laughs> they yeah, they yeah, won't spin right. the story. Yeah. You guys think And then you have to have a mouthpiece. Someone says, here, I'll tell you why we did what we did. No, you know what you need? This is my idea that I've had for a long time. I'd like to take – there's so many – there's so many – 
like uh, basketball courts and parks that are abandoned in the city. Yeah. I think what we should do is every neighborhood, we should go and redo one of those basketball courts, get everybody to volunteer, resurface it, put nets, and all over the, the court, put the logos of the stores in the neighborhood, that everyone that pitches in to redo it and have a ribbon cutting at each one. And say, we're doing these for the neighborhoods that you guys don't see because all you see downtown is all this bright, shiny crap from all these, uh, you know, from the Dan Gilberts and the Mike Gilgers. But you're not seeing what the people actually live in on an everyday basis, not the places they drive in and go home from. I have a good name if we open up like Chaldean. The Illiches Illiches are, let me tell you guys this, (laughs) you go back to the Illiches. The Illiches are billionaires and half their arena is being paid for by the city. paid for. Exactly. Paid, they're they're not even using their own more. money to build a to build it. They're 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 using Angelo. the city's money. To... Angelo. Hey, hold on, hold on. I got a question for him. Oh, yeah. hold on. Take it easy, Angelo. I got a question. Yeah. Who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? You know, I haven't decided yet. Angelo, how can there Trump. be a decision? It's either Trump or Hillary. Who are you voting for? Probably going to be Trump. Hey! Yeah, if, if it's, right. it, Hillary's just like Satan, you're just voting straight up for Satan. By the way, there's some yeah. uh, some arrogant uh, some arrogant Trump haters out there that uh, are calling anyone who supports him uneducated. Just so you know that. Yeah, I know because they're they're so educated they yeah. vote for the biggest Who's criminal the guy that, on earth. That brought uh, brought uh, Biden to Shandell? Uh No, but somebody who supports him. Maybe that's next month's topic. Yeah. Oh, I know who you're talking yeah. about. But, it, any, but again, anyway, who cares? I'll see you guys I'll see you guys later. I don't want to keep staying on with you guys the whole time, but I'm going to keep listening. All right. Thanks for calling. Andrew. Thanks, man. That was a good call. I'm good. A lot of good stuff, man. Come 2016. And 2020. 2020. Well, you know, he is right. I've talked about this all the time. I'm so sick and tired of seeing all this crap about the rebuilding of Detroit. Ask the residents of Detroit what they've done for the neighborhoods. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. You go, I'm serious. Nobody got time for that. Yeah, and you know what? Those people, the people deserve way better than what they're getting in the city of Detroit. Look at the schools. Look at the stuff going down there. They deserve better. You should run for mayor. Um, guys, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been a great discussion the last two hours. We had a good topic. I want to thank everybody as usual. Mark, Sam, Steve. Uh, thank yep. you. For... <laughs> we will see you guys next month. It's been real. Peace out. Peace out, y'all. Peace. <laughs>